OHL Hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Boat Podcast. Originating from the 570 News Studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope. So I missed a game for the first time this season. I'm glad you said for the first time this season. <laughs> Wednesday, I won't be there either. But uh, I'm back. So first of all, how, we'll, we'll get to some topics a little later. Uh, my name's Chris Pope. Follow me on Twitter, at underscore Chris Pope. And I'm with Farwell. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at Farwell underscore OHL. How was Peterborough? Uh, it was fine. It was Peterborough. You know what? Actually, I really enjoy going there. Peterborough is one of those proud, long-standing, traditional franchises in this league. I'm not sure about the wingman you sent me with, though. I got to just say it. I got to bring it out. I can't let it hide. Anybody that listened to the broadcast knew that we had some kid from northern Ontario that had never seen eastern Ontario before Tuesday night. But no, Mark Perry, who uh, stepped in in your place, did a fine job, and uh, and we made it through. We made the trip up. The Kitchener Rangers picked up two points, which they very much needed at the time after their three-game skid, and, and here we are ready to go for another weekend. Uh, you had more room on the bus, though, so that's a positive. Mark Perry's smaller than I am. You're not that big a guy. Come on. You came back into the season lean and mean. It's me that's kind of uh, bleeding over the seats now. <laughs> Shout out Larry Malott. He's winning, though. He's cut down a lot of weight. Uh, so that game between Kitchener and Peterborough, a question to you, Mike. Were you watching student athletes or were you watching employees? Because that seems to be a topic right now in this league. That's a great question, and it's one that the Ontario Hockey League is seeking clarification on from, of all places, the provincial government. So, oh, hi, Doug Ford. Mr. Premier, thanks for tuning in to the Farwell and Pope podcast. How did you like that letter that David Branch sent to you? Uh, I, I really think that David Branch and the OHL in sending this letter is really doing it for a couple of reasons. Primarily, it's optics. They want to show or they want to maybe uh, demonstrate to the government of Ontario that they're interested in this issue, that they haven't forgotten about all of the talk that's been kind of of late simmering under the surface, rather well under the surface right now, about a union in the Ontario Hockey League and the Canadian Hockey League. Uh, So from the perspective of optics, the league is demonstrating that it's still aware of this and wants clarification on what a player in the Ontario Hockey League actually is. Is that player an amateur athlete or is that player an employee? And maybe, maybe just maybe, the, the league thinks that this government, of all of its other priorities, but given its given its relationships with businesses, may want to provide the clarification here in the OHL, which has been provided by other jurisdictions from Washington stateside to, uh, you know, eastern Canada here uh, on this side of the border. I think what it is, is, as you mentioned, I think it's the league trying to get ahead of it. I think they got a wake-up call, whether it was last year or the year before, when there was talk of that union starting and there were some tweets and some online presence. And I think that they didn't have the big name behind it or the the credibility behind it. But I think that was a wake-up call to this Ontario Hockey League that something could happen. And now that there was this talk, and you mentioned this talk now, way under the surface, but there was, it was brought up to the surface. And I think the league was like, if they have some credibility, if they have the right people behind it, we could be in for some trouble. The other provinces in Washington, as you mentioned, stateside, coming out and saying that they are student-athletes. I think the league wants the province now to come out and say that. So then there's that precedent. Then they can say when the union starts to come up, 
Nope, you are student athletes. The province has already said that. They're trying to get ahead of the curve. I think that if you think that these players aren't getting paid, then you need to pull your head out of the sand, uh, quite frankly. But I, I, I don't know if I have an opinion on which one they are. I think that it's going to be a tough battle if you're going to try to prove that they're not student athletes right now. Yeah, I certainly have an opinion on which one they are, and that is a student athlete. These these are not professionals. I can understand the argument to a degree, but I'll get to that more in just a second. From the province's perspective, I'm going to use the big maybe again. I do think it's a big maybe, but given what this government has done in its early stages, for example, bringing an end to this strike at York University in, in the very early days of this government, uh, it has demonstrated to some degree that it's kind of anti-labor. The Provincial minimum wage is frozen at $14, which was pretty much all this government could do since the uh, the increases had already been implemented by a previous government. So I, I think there's something to be said for the anti-labor stance of this government in its early days. But on the point of these athletes, and I don't know where you're exactly going with the these players are getting paid. I understand the sort of the under-the-table deals that we've heard so much about. But I don't know if the league is actually investigating them. Very few times has anything been proven. I think these players are paid or compensated in their education packages. And and this is why I come back to the big maybe that the government of Ontario right now may sort of side with the Ontario Hockey League. Because if you do go the route of turning these players into employees, my gosh, does that get messy. All of us, you're going to need a whole new department with each team, I would think, to track the hours that the players are quote-unquote working, how they're being paid slash compensated for that work, $14 an hour in Ontario as a minimum wage, for example. But then if they are employees, well, there go the education packages, there goes the room and board that they get, there goes, I would think, a lot of the perks in terms of equipment purchases that the teams are making, the players would suddenly be responsible for themselves. So that, that's why I think when you bring in the education package alone and the tens of thousands of dollars that it's worth, I believe that's the compensation that these players are getting for what they give to the teams. I think that's a big part of it, that, that compensation, that education package. And it, I think what the CHL and the universities have done is fantastic. I think that you need to remember that this is a, a, a league we're not Everyone makes that jump to professional hockey. A lot of these players, this is the end, or this is the end of their pursuit of professional hockey. Now it's, what are we going to do with my career? So to have the the universities and the CHLs, or the CHL, uh, paired like that and offering the education package, that's the most important aspect of the entire CHL, in my mind, is getting these kids an opportunity to have a life after hockey. And whether you do that after you're done playing in the National Hockey League, or whether you do that right after your one or four years in this Ontario Hockey League, it's important to have that opportunity to not leave these players just out in limbo when they're concentrating so much on hockey. But in saying that, what is the definition of an employee? Because I I think these players are compensated in ways that everyone knows, but I think that there are certain teams and organizations and maybe certain players that are compensated in other ways as well. And it's the unknown or it's the known unknown secret around the league that, yes, of course they are. But I don't think that makes them employees. I think that is just a bonus for being a good athlete. And it's the stuff that I think it's much I think it's a much bigger issue when we start talking about the NCAA as opposed to the CHL. I think the CHL has most of it figured out. They're student athletes. They offer that compensation package 
And I think that makes them student athletes. They're obviously some of these kids are 16. They're still in high school and <laughs> some going back or even 15. Um, but I, I think it's, I think it's smart for the league to do to get that precedent set. And I don't think that the, this Ontario government is going to rule any different than other provincial governments have. If you ask me, and it's so much easier to say for somebody in my position, mid-40s in a career, uh, you know, bouncing around a little bit with what the work life is like in this day and age, but it's so much easier to say from this perspective than when you're a player and you're still dreaming of that brass ring being the National Hockey League or some level of professional hockey. But for me, the smartest money, the smartest play, if you're a player, is to recognize, take the advice of people who know that okay, this is the highest level you're ever really going to play at. The National Hockey League is out of the question for you. So go through your junior career, give it your best, go get your education. And they even give you that 18 months after you've graduated out of the Ontario Hockey League or the Canadian Hockey League to figure it out. Maybe you play some coast, maybe whatever, some level of professional hockey, and then go back to school, get that education bugger off to Europe, spend 10 years toiling around the great part of this world of ours, make some money, and then come back with your degree and figure it out. You'd be crazy not to. I would think like, so. Like, seriously, <laughs> you'd be crazy not to. Like, for the likes of, like, well, here in Waterloo Region, we have guys like Jake Henderson and Jacob Kaskinet and the like playing uh, university hockey. You go, you play university hockey, you get your education, it's paid for, and then, like, we've seen players excel at the university level and then get pro contracts. Worry about it later. Go get your education because then when you're 32 or 30 even and you're ready to pack it in for real and hang up the skates, well, then you have an education behind you. You've made your money playing pro hockey, having a blast, doing whatever the heck you want to do, riding the iron lung, seeing different cities, whether it be down in the coast of the American League or over in Europe, getting the experience of a lifetime, and come back home. And you, you have your education, and you didn't drop a dime. It's, it's ludicrous to think people don't do that. So I, I think it's set up great. There's ways for the players to succeed both in hockey and, more importantly, in life. I can't believe we've gone this deep into the podcast without you just gloating, without you dancing around this room we're sitting in for the recording this I week. I don't like to brag. I don't like to brag. couple of pods ago... I boldly predicted that the Flint Firebirds would get off the schneid. They had a home-and-home with the Sarnia Sting, and I'm already forgetting who else they had that weekend. But I said one of those three games would go Flint's way, and they'd break that goose egg in the win column. They did not. Last week on the pod, you said, Sarnia, Wednesday night, November the 7th, the Flint Firebirds get off the schneid. And so they did with a 7-4 win. Listen, I just want to I just want to thank everyone that made this possible. I want to thank you. I want to thank my parents. Uh, even a blind squirrel finds a nut now and then. And I picked one game out of I think two this week that they had. I'll take it. It's a win. I'm just happy that it's the monkey off the Firebirds back. I want to give a quick stick tap to the game day operations down in Flint. After they won that game, they played We Are the Champions. <laughs> I love that you can find humor in something that has been so miserable. And I think it's good for those Firebirds to, to get the win and to move past it. Now everyone can stop talking about it. The players can start playing again. They're a little more loose. And I think that, as, as we talked about, I don't think they're going to set the record for the, the worst record in the Ontario Hockey League. And now I think they can just move past it and move on. And I hope for better things for Flint. Okay, let's revisit the other prediction you did make, though, because I still think it's 
absurd. Yep. If they are playing We Are the Champions after every victory this season, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But how many more times do we hear that? You just said you don't think they'll set the new record or equal that record for futility with just three wins in 66 games. Hello, London Knights of the mid-1990s. But you have set the over-under bar for the Flint Firebirds this season at nine and a half. In other words, the over is 10 victories. The under is nine. I think they're going way under. Sorry, Flint. I just want to make sure that prediction keeps getting revisited as we move through this season. 11 or 12 wins. Calling it right now for Flint. I, I think that a lot of people are talking about the Firebirds and about that record. And I, I, I know I say it every podcast, I think, that we talk about. I just feel so bad for the kids, but I hope that this doesn't deter them from continuing to play hockey. All right, as we continue to look around the league this week, and I want to get back to that trip that you did not make to Peterborough because a really neat thing happened at the end of the game. I had to be that jerk still wearing the headset in the midst of a broadcast. I couldn't uh, give the gentleman that came by the booth the proper due that he deserved, but I'll get to that in a bit. The other thing that's been happening around the league, and we saw it firsthand last weekend when the London Knights paid a visit to the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium, and they brought a couple of guys with them named Alex Formanton and Evan Bouchard. They both ended up scoring in London's 3-0 victory, but moreover, notice served Ontario Hockey League. This Western Conference and perhaps the entire league belongs to the Knights, and now it's up to you. Well, it's your move, I guess, the rest of the OHL. Formanton's was an empty netter. I love how everyone's talking. Oh, they both scored. Okay, come on. Bouchard's was nice. Don't get me wrong. A beautiful goal started in his own end. Formington was an empty netter. And he was also stopped on a breakaway earlier in the game. He had numerous opportunities. He had great scoring chances, and he is a difference maker. He's not that big goal scorer that they've had in years past. He's, he's a four-checker. He's a hard worker. He's lightning quick. He might be the quickest guy in the league right now. And he adds that element. I still think they need... Well, they're scoring by committee by the looks of it but they if they grab like that that big goal score that I don't know if there's one out or well Jason Robertson if they go and grab a guy like that then I think they're going to take that next step I still think that they're the team to beat now getting those two back Evan Bouchard adds just a huge element to a young uh, defensive group Uh, in London a lot of those youngsters can look up to him Um, and they have or they brought in William William Lehead who I thought was fantastic against Kitchener um, I think notice has been served, and it's going to be interesting to see what Niagara does in the East. That's the team I'm circling uh, that I think is going to try to combat London. And obviously, we talked about on the broadcast what Guelph does. Guelph's built to win this year for sure. Do they have enough trust in Anthony Popovich? Do they go out and get a, another top-end forward or another stay-at-home defenseman to help out the likes of Merkley back there? I think it's going to be those three, in my mind, are the teams that are ready to go guns ablaze and obviously everyone talked about Oshawa coming into this season um, and how do you not talk about Ottawa the start that they got off to and some of the guys that they have so it's going to be interesting there's some big pieces out there but I think both Bouchard and Formanton coming back it was hilarious when we were watching them come off the bus the three members of the London media are down there and they were you know Facebook living them walk off the bus then it was pictures of their sticks then it was pictures of their jersey it was really like you know holy cow look who's Look who's back here. And when I was talking with one media member, uh, Jim Van Horn from uh, London, and somehow he mentioned, um, he mentioned Kachuk, Marner, and Dvorak. And I said, don't say those names around here. People will think they're coming back too. <laughs> 
you never know with these London Knights who's going to come back. But uh, it's, as you mentioned, no to serve. When you mentioned those names, because I'd been thinking quite a bit about uh, Dvorak and Marner as well. And then, you know, Max Jones, Brady Kachuk, who, heaven help us all, could still, he won't. Although I said the same thing about Formanton, come back. Yeah, let's knock on something for the rest of the league's sake. But I've been giving thought to these guys that have come through all the way back to Corey Perry, for example, with the London Knights. Let's not forget that John Tavares, the Knights traded for and brought in, though they didn't win it all that year. But when you consider the caliber of player that has come through this Knights organization over the past decade plus, it is a laundry list of NHL stars like not just players that graduated to the National Hockey League but players that have gone on to make an impact in the National Hockey League did I mention Max Domi's name yet I don't think so real coming out party for him this year in the NHL Bo Horvat another great example but and I know you've got feelings on these sort of OHL super teams that we'll get to uh, at another podcast down the road maybe as the playoffs approach this year but holy Hannah whatever it is that's happening in London and there are all kinds of rumors as to what exactly is happening but you cannot for one second deny the success and the culture that has been created in the forest city no you can't and it's when we see it a bit in kitchener too when when players are traded to kitchener it's not oh shoot i was traded it's i'm going to catch and if you if you're traded to london even as a as a young kid like uh connor mcmichael was like numerous players have been especially in the past couple of years, it's not, oh, shoot, I got traded. It's, <laughs> I'm going to London. Because you know you're going to be surrounded by superstars. You know that there's a really good chance in your OHL career the London Knights are going to go for a championship. And they may, they may not win it all, all the time, but they certainly give it a, a great attempt. You know you're going to be playing playoff hockey. They haven't missed the playoffs in 100 years or whatever it is. And <clears throat> I think knowing that as a youngster that, you know, if, if I – if I go balls to the wall, if I play hard, I'm likely going to stick here in London, and we're going to be have a chance, just a chance, at an Ontario Hockey League championship. That's something special. And I, I think having those two guys back certainly gives that team a little, a little kick in the butt. Um, but keep in mind, last year things didn't go well for London. They were hoping they were going to get Olio Levy back. They thought they might get some help on, or from some import picks that would come over, and didn't happen. That was a London Knights team that could have pushed for an OHL championship last year, but then sold off the likes of Pooh and uh, Max Jones and the like. Robert, uh, Robert Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> Jeez, it's embarrassing, isn't it? Holy cow. The, the, the names that they've had. Uh, you, you don't have to like them, and many people don't, but you, you have to respect them. You have to. It's interesting. I spoke this week with uh, Jason York, former Windsor Spitfire, former Kitchen Arranger, and we were talking about something that Alex Formanton was involved in before he ended up coming back to the OHL. We'll get to that in just a sec, but Jason York, you made me think of because you talked about when you get traded to London, how you feel as a player. Jason York was traded to the Kitchener Rangers from Windsor in the 89-90 season when the Kitchener Rangers made their run to the Memorial Cup and what has is still regarded as the best Memorial Cup that we've ever seen between Oshawa and Kitchener, put the junior hockey on the map in this country, etc. But he talked about that feeling. He thought, wow, look at where I just walked into. Look at this building. He he raved about the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium, and it gave me reason to think, hey, Rangers fans, why you leave the game so early? But it's a whole other conversation. But that's how he felt 
20 years ago being traded to Kitchener and getting a taste of what life was like at the Memorial Auditorium and within the Rangers organization. And now, of course, you're seeing that today. On the reason we were talking to him, we were talking to Jason York, who's now an analyst with Rogers Sportsnet, about the infamous video. And before Alex Formanton put on the green jersey of the London Knights again, he was wearing a jersey for the Ottawa Senators, and he was in an Uber in Phoenix, and he was one of the players caught on a recording just absolutely ripping the team. I get it. I think we all, I think every one of us, and if you're saying you haven't, I think you're lying, but maybe you have the best job in the world. I think we have all ripped our employer at one time or another in our careers, probably over beer with the guys on a Friday night, but I think we've all done it. These guys probably did it in the wrong place. I, I hold the driver completely responsible for this. Yes, we have to be aware that there's a camera everywhere nowadays, but there is not a chance in heck this audio recording or this video should ever have been made public. I don't know what this driver was trying to accomplish, but he's a dink. Couldn't agree with you more. I think that, if, like you said, if you're sitting here saying that you haven't ripped your boss, you're crazy. And I think if you listen to a lot of people who are addressing this video, if you think for a second that the Ottawa Senators coaching staff or any other coaching staff in the history of hockey has not had similar conversations about their players. You are losing it. They sit in that office and they rip players. They go over a video, look at this guy. You think that? like The, the, the comments from a coach's room would make that video look like child's play. And it bothers me because at some point, it's, it's the player needs a break and if they're together and they're out on the town of course they're going to rip the coach especially when they're that bad when when they're playing that bad and when they're not happy but it comes down to it's it's that it goes back to the business aspect so a, a team can trade a player but the player can't leave a team after a certain number of years all of a sudden oh you're you're turning your back on the franchise but if that player is traded who cares look at what we got in return it, it goes back to I think it goes back to that because so a player can't vent about a team in a private area, but the team can do whatever it wants to the players. The coach can sit in a video session and rip a player on the penalty kill and in front of his entire team, and then there's no problem. But if a player says something about the coach, well, that player is a cancer in the room. Well, that player has an attitude problem. It's a complete double standard. And I think the fact that the Uber driver released this video is an absolute joke. If I am wherever, I think it was in Arizona, if I am looking at that, if I order an Uber, if that guy's coming, I'm canceling it. He's not getting another dime out of my pocket because he's a loser, flat out. Wouldn't it be funny if it had been the coaches? What you're saying is the, the coaches, Guy Boucher and his staff, could have been in that cab and they could have been ripping Matt Duchesne and Alex Formanton and company. It would have been... the. the you think that video went viral? Holy jumping. It would have been a whole other case if Guy Boucher and everyone is ripping everyone in that cab. And I felt bad because you mentioned Alex Formanton. He's, he's in the back seat. He's just made the show. He's not saying a word about it, right? Allowing the vets just sitting there, yep, 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 going about his business, going out thinking I made the show. I'm going out with Matt Duchesne, Thomas Shabbat, you know, the best players on that Senators team. I felt bad for Formanton because the video goes on and I kind of laugh. Everyone filters out of the car and then he's the last one sitting there. It's just like, oh, 
There's Farmington. Well, I guess I'll get out of the, the, the Uber too. I think the releasing of the video is an absolute joke. And I don't think these players... I think it's made out to be a bigger problem than it was. Um, and I don't... I really don't think players should be held accountable. Because yes, cameras are everywhere. But they didn't know they were being recorded. And I think... Yes, cameras are everywhere. So what? So what you have no privacy whatever at all? So if, it's the same type of thing. But like if Formington's friend comes over... Or Duchesne's friend comes over... And they're sitting around having beers. If he acts, if he pulls out his cell phone, is that Duchesne's fault? It's in Duchesne's house. He's he's complaining to his friends, and his friend records him. His friend turned his back on him. Yeah, he's a crappy friend. But is that Duchesne's fault? No, they have to have some time where they can let loose. And I think that that time is out with your buddies going for a beer on the road. The cab or the Uber driver is a loser. For the record, we're sitting in the basement of Pope's brand new house as we record this week's Farwell and Pope podcast. Uh, the tape is rolling, so to speak. You know this is going to be made public, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, and <laughs> but I talked to him because I thought that ca- that Uber driver has to be facing a lawsuit, right, for doing that. And I talked to my buddy who's a lawyer, and he said there's nothing they can they can sue him with, which I think is just terrible <laughs> i really do i can't have like at what point in your life are you thinking you know what's gonna be cool i'm gonna videotape these guys and even if he was i get why he was videotaping it for your own safety you're an uber driver if someone pulls a gun on you or a knife or does something in the backseat you have video copy it's not that he videotaped it it's that he released it. absolutely what at what point in your life you're like i'm gonna release a video of these guys shut up you're, <laughs> ugh, it drives me crazy it really does i can't believe I, I hate when you think that you you have privacy and all of a sudden a video is released like that. They weren't hurting hurting anyone. Nobody was you know planning anything that was going to hurt someone. No one got hurt except for the the coach who got ripped, the the penalty kill coach and the players. And I think the cab driver or the Uber driver had nothing to gain from this other than to seem cool and probably make some money for selling the tape. But I, I think what a, what a loser. Couldn't agree more on this. What I do want to know that no uh, know now though, and I got to get to the bottom of because we're in your brand new house. I want to know who's sponsoring the Farwell and Pope podcast, but only paying you for these fabulous new digs. I mean, come on. By the way, sponsorships still open at Farwell underscore OHL at underscore Chris Pope. Hashtag Ask FNP if you want to ask a question about the pod or uh, throw out the sponsorship that apparently only Pope is getting. I just want to say thanks to the Pope Group Realty. <laughs> That's my brother. He's a real estate agent. That's why I could say that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know which bank gave me the loan, but oh boy, did they mess up. <laughs> All right. It was Pope's uh, moving experiences, pun intended, that kept him from making the trip to Peterborough uh, this past week when the Rangers made that roadie. So off I went with Mark Perry, uh, a new voice on 570 News and now a new voice on the Kitchener Rangers broadcasts. But A cool thing happened at the end of it, and uh, I just wanted to bring it up because Andrew D'Agostini, former goaltender in Peterborough, uh, got to know while he was a player uh, a young child who suffered from cystic fibrosis. This is a cause that's very near and dear to my heart. I grew up with it in my family as well. A couple of my sisters had the disease, and unfortunately, we lost them many years ago. Andrew got to know this family and this young child with cystic fibrosis, and to say the relationship blossomed would be an understatement. So this kid, Andrew D'Agostini, I'm calling the kid now, and by the way, you're still a kid, Andrew, no matter what, even though you've graduated from the league and from the University of Guelph. But Andrew got so touched by this family and this relationship, and it blossomed to the point that he began Saves for CF up in Peterborough. 
which was a, a program whereby a sponsor came forward and made a donation to cystic fibrosis for every save, not just Andrew, but any Peterborough goalie made. Really cool idea. It took off. Andrew took it with him to the University of Guelph. And then didn't I notice while in Peterborough on Tuesday night, they put something up on the board about the saves for CF program, which continues not just in Peterborough, but around other rinks now, all started by Andrew. And at the end of the game, we're into our post-game show from the Peterborough Memorial Center. And Andrew comes up to the booth to say hi, but I'm in the middle of a 30-second commercial break so it's a real quick little hey good to see you and he said oh i think i'm going to come to kitchener when the peets travel there i'll I'll talk to you more Uh, i felt like that jerk but i've I've got like 28 seconds by the time he shows up either way great to see that program continuing and hey if uh you want to do something really cool in your ohl city how about some saves for cf action way to go to andrew and and the entire program i love when players in this league show that hockey players don't have that that reputation that many people think oh they're just a hockey player there's a guy that's making a difference in the world and people's lives. I'd, I'd love guys like that. You don't have to look very far just down the, down the uh, Highway 7 in Guelph, McFadden's movement. There's players that are making difference in the world and in people's lives, and I love it. And D'Agostini, Andrew D'Agostini, just one of them. Hey, if you're listening and when you're coming to Kitchener, let us know. Come on up for an intermission. We'll talk all about it. I think it's a great initiative. David Clarkson with Clarkie's Kids is something that yeah. still goes on in the city of Kitchener as well. And, and for the same reason, David Clarkson, when he's a player, goes to the hospital, meets these kids in an oncology unit, suffering, children suffering from cancer. And he's like, I, I got to do something. And they, they continue. They just had a big event, raised over $50,000 last season on behalf of Clarkie's Kids, which he continues to support in Kitchener despite his travels around North America. They transformed the, uh, the odd for that. And it looked amazing. Did, did you ever see that? I didn't MC, but I went to yeah because the yeah they had a, they had a concert and yeah. it was it was a really great night all around. It looked unreal. I, I just like to when you take that uh, that reputation that hockey players sometimes have, and you show that you know that there's a chance. We talked about it off the top of this podcast that this league offers you an opportunity to do something post hockey, and this league also gives you an opportunity to have a voice. And people want to be a Kitchener Ranger. People want to be a London Knight. They look up to you, and you have an opportunity to do something great, and I love that players are doing that. I guess it helps that David Clarkson has a good friend in Johnny Reed, who he just made a phone call to and said, hey, come and play this concert, and we'll get some people to pay some money to come and see you in the transformed odd and make some money for Clarkie's kids. Uh, From the trip you didn't make to Peterborough, you're sending me to a school day game in Erie alone don't look so happy about that part of my contract this year was i don't do school day games so i kid mark campbell our boss at 570 i will do the next one i promise i think it's in mississauga it is. uh yeah not coming next week to, to erie shucks um but we got another replacement for you we'll find out who it is a little later uh sucker it's the player to be named later <laughs> and by the way if you'd like to come to erie and broadcast a school day game reach out at farwell underscore ohl i'm only half kidding yeah they're they like to be loud and scream and we did a school day game in erie last year and it was it was great but i decided this year i'm going to miss it i'm actually going to be up in blue mountain and a uh, tough break for me and my work's taking me up there for a, a conference a yearly conference that we're going up to so i got to spend three days up in blue mountain with the company credit card down i'm sorry i i don't i know i don't want to but i have to Maybe if we can find two people to go to Erie, I could go to this conference instead. All right, uh, we must step lively. There's hockey to be played this weekend and uh, more podcasts to come, of course. Every Friday, you'll find the new edition of this. I'm 
Real quick, I just want to say, if you don't think, or if you're listening to this and you think, these guys get paid to sit around and talk hockey, I just want to say, stick tap to you for making this work. This was not the easiest week for me. You drove all the way over here to my new digs, came down here, passed my mother, my brother, and my painter, all to do this podcast. So that's some hard work there. I just want to say, thanks a lot. Yeah, it was real. The toughest part was getting in the door behind this line of people. I mean, everybody wants to see Pope's new place. If you'd like to see Pope's new place, the address is... Okay, I'm Farwell. If you want to see my new place, sponsor this podcast. (laughs) I'm Pope. And that's the Farwell and Pope podcast. This has been the Farwell and Pope podcast, posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.